Blog Talk Radio. The following broadcast is brought to you by the iGolf Sports Network. The Women of Golf Show is sponsored by the iGolf Sports Network and Golf Tips Magazine. iGolf Sports is a live stream broadcast and media production company providing quality programming designed to attract the golfing enthusiasts. And Golf Tips, the game's most in-depth instruction magazine with insightful reviews on the latest equipment, tips from top teaching professionals, helping you improve your game from tee to green. Good morning, welcome to the Women of Golf, the number one women's golf show around the world, with hosts Ted Odorico and Cindy Miller. Join them as they interview some of the best players from the Epson, LPGA and Legends Tour, and so many others helping to elevate women's golf. So without further ado, here are your hosts, Ted and Cindy. All right, good morning, everybody, and welcome to the Women of Golf. I'm Ted Odorico, and right alongside, of course, each and every week is none other than Legends Tour player and LPGA professional, Cindy Miller, and we are your hosts this morning. Good morning, Cindy. How are you? I'm doing well, Ted, and you? Well, I'm doing better this week. As you may recall, last week I had my mic muted for a couple of minutes and uh, nobody could hear me. So that was, I guess, a good thing, depending on which which way you're looking at it. But this week I remember to unmute my mic and we're good to go. So um got a great show for you this morning. We're going to be joined momentarily by a young lady who actually was on the show back in June of 2021. And she's coming back this time as a winner off the uh, Epson Tour. She was the winner of the uh, 2023 Copper Rock Championship. Of course, I'm talking about the LPJ and Epson Tour player Savannah Vallabi. And a little bit later on, Cindy, you and I are going to dip our toes into the no BS zone, and we're going to talk about seven things to look for in a golf school. So, so those of you who are looking to maybe attend a golf school this season, we're going to give you some tips on what you should look for um, when making that decision. But uh, let me tell you a little bit about Savannah, and then Cindy will bring her on and, and get into uh, this morning's discussion. Savannah began pay, playing golf excuse me, when she was about eight years old. Uh, some notable highlights, she turned professional in 2016 and has played on the Epson and Cactus Tours. Uh, she had a, a career best finish uh, at that time at the LPGA Tour in a tie for 26 at the 2021 AIG Women's Open. Uh, she played uh, at the um, Colorado Women's Open in 2021. Uh, where she won, and uh, she's had uh, also five Cactus Tour events, and uh, which she won in 2019, 2020, and 2021. And as I mentioned, she won uh, the Copper Rock Championship here just a few weeks ago on the Epson Tour. And some of her hobbies include singing, playing the piano, fitness, and of course makeup. So, Cindy, let's welcome uh, back our very special guest, Savannah the Lobby. Good morning. Good morning, Ted. Good morning, Cindy. How are you guys? We're doing great. We're so glad you got up really early. <laughs> oh, that's that's fine. I you know, I just came from Central Time, so I got a couple hours back and I'm still feeling pretty good this morning. That's great. Go ahead, Ted. So congratulations from both of us, obviously, on uh your first uh Epson Tour win. I know you've had some other wins under your belt, uh in past years, but this was your first um, professional win on the Epson Tour. So congratulations for that. Um, I know you're pretty excited. Tell us a little bit about how did you feel, um, and, and actually let me back up a little bit. Um, when did you know, or was there a point during the tournament when you felt, okay, I've got a really good chance at this? Uh, well, thank you for the congratulations. And um, as far as that goes, you know, in times where I've won before, I knew that I was going to win, um, you, I mean, far before the end of the event. But for this one, I had, I couldn't call it. Um, you know, I wasn't as nervous as I had been for other tournaments in the past, but I was really unsure about um, coming out in first place. So um, the way that I kind of talked about it was, you know, if God intended for me to win this tournament, there's nothing I can do to mess it up. And it totally, totally freed up the way that I played and kind of the mentality around it. So um, there was not certainty about the win, but I, I wasn't, you know, overwhelmed with um, kind of nerves around it, I guess. 
when you look back at the season so far, and I know I think this last week was about the sixth tournament of the season, I think, so far. So, you know, you've got lots of golf left. Um, you've had mm-hmm. some, some, some sketchy events this year so far. So this win really sort of has given you an opportunity to propel yourself forward for the season. W- would you agree with that? And, and how do you feel about that? I mean, you've had some, some tough rounds uh, so far this season, uh, missed a few cuts. Um, but overall, uh, I think you're playing pretty well. How do you think that this event, winning the Copper Rock Championship, is going to help propel you through the rest of the season? Oh, shoot. I think I lost you guys. Yep. Can you hear me now? We, we hear oh, you. Oh, there we go. Okay, perfect. Okay. So um, I'll chime in with what I think the question was. But, um, it's, but yeah, getting this win, it was a huge – it's a huge momentum booster. Um, you know, there there was a lot of progress that was made, even on those tournaments that didn't pan out the way I wanted to early in the season. Um, between the the early events and some Monday qualifiers that I had been doing, my scoring average was 72 uh, going into Utah. And I was doing a lot of really good things with my game, so I could feel that forward progress. Um, and then to finally have it culminate in a win, uh, you know, two weeks ago was really fantastic. So it felt like I was doing the right things, and now we have that tournament win to really kind of show for it. So, um, yeah, it's a huge momentum boost and um, a huge boost to the to the confidence uh, going into the rest of the season. So um, now it's just kind of maintaining or trying to maintain, I guess, that headspace and uh, taking away the really good, like, physical key points of a couple weeks ago and riding it to the end of the season and hopefully hanging into the top ten. Well, and it gives you a lot of confidence, I'm sure, moving forward. Because, I mean, you obviously know you have the ability to win because, as I mentioned earlier, you've, been, you, you've won a number of events in the past. Um, but this just sort of reinforces that positive energy to be able to go forward. I want to mention something which is, is uh, interesting. I was reading some of the notes uh, that was provided. And uh, your boyfriend actually uh, – work the bag, if you will, through this event. So that was kind of a surprise for you. How did he do overall? And did he know when to sort of chime in with, with some tips or advice and encourage you and when to sort of step back? Oh, absolutely. So he's caddied for me uh, many, many times before. He caddied for me uh, on LPGA last year. I think we made four out of five cuts together. And um, you know, the year before he caddied on Epson. And so um, I asked if he would step up for me and caddy for uh, the last round in Utah. And uh, our final round was on Saturday. So Friday night, he drove out after work and caddied for me. And, um, you know, if they, we were able to bring it home. But he has the perfect way of, you know, letting me do my thing, stepping in when he kind of sees that I need a little nudge in the right direction. Um, but he really helped me simplify the swing thoughts. And coming down the stretch, you know, you've got a lot going on upstairs, and I was getting nervous, like was starting to starting to feel it. And so sometimes, um, you know, thoughts are racing, and you can't sort them out in time to hit the ball. And so he just told me a couple little uh, – there was one swing thought I had with the full swing and then one thought I had, like, around the greens. And all he did was say that. He kept it very, very simple for me. And, um, you know, I, I think he's the most beautiful person in the world. And so it was easy to look at him and smile down the, down the stretch there too. So he's a, he's a fantastic caddy. You know, he likes being out there. He does his homework and, uh, uh, we make a really good team. So it'd be safe to say that he was equally as excited as you were to get that win. <laughs> yes, <laughs> definitely. Definitely. Was he dancing more on the green than you were or about the same? <laughs> it was, you know, he's he's reserved. He's very, very proud of me. And, um, you know, he he's just incredible. He absolutely lets me have my time, lets me have the spotlight. And, you know, he's, he's, he's there in the back and smiling all the while, you know, taking these photos and signing autographs. And I look up and he's just got this big old smile on his face. And he, he knew I had the game. He knows I have the game. And, um, yeah, it was it was great just looking over and seeing his smile. Well, it's good to have a uh, you know somebody in the champions' corner like that. It's very important, and uh, it's not an easy thing. That's why I asked you that because it's not easy to 
you know, to, to uh, carry the bag for a player because, you know, a lot of emotions are mm-hmm. riding through that. And especially somebody that's attached the way he is to you, uh, it, can, it can work good and bad if you're not careful. So I'm glad that he's uh, got the smarts upstairs to know when to, to sort of step back and, and then when to step in at the right time. So that's good. Um, Cindy, go ahead. Is he a player? Uh, he likes to play golf, so he's about a, I don't know, he's about a 12 handicap or so. Um, he's got a 79 under the belt, so that's kind of cool. But, you know, he, he genuinely just loves the game. He loves learning about it. He's naturally a very solution-oriented person, and so he keeps things very simple. And his strong point of caddying is, is course management and um, and so he, he kind of brings it back in when I try to come up with these thoughts of grandeur on how to play a hole, and he just breaks it down quite simply. Um, you know, that's how he's able to read it and keep simple for us. Where does he work that he drove over after work? <laughs> he's uh, he's in L.A., so he's uh, working in, um, you know, the L.A. territory, Beverly Hills, Hollywood, Inglewood, um, just Santa Monica, all over, so... Right after that, he uh, drove on out to Utah. He didn't get in until about midnight, but uh, uh, was was happy to wake up the next morning at about 6 a.m. and and uh, start the morning routine. Well, God bless him. Yep. Tell us <laughs> what's the best. Yeah, what's the best part of your game? My best part of the game. So my ball striking has really, really improved. Um, I put a ping G430 in the bag uh, this this year and or at the end of last year, and that has truly made uh, a huge, huge difference. So, you know, before it was just like, you know, the right side of the course, right OB was always, always an issue. And um, I changed up uh, some of the, the tools I was using and, you know, I'm able to play a little draw now or trust a straight ball in a left-to-right wind, you know. So that was a huge confidence boost. And, um, you know, right now I'm truly just hitting a lot of fairways and hitting a lot of greens. Mm-hmm. A good feeling. What, what do you do for fun? Uh, for fun? So my boyfriend and I are big foodies. He's a very good cook. So um, we 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 love cooking together and actually one of our – uh, fun things we, we promise is that for every tournament win, um, he takes me to a Michelin-rated restaurant. So uh, we actually have to pick our next restaurant we're going to go to. Uh, but we love the outdoors. We love to camp. We love to hike. Um, we I genuinely just love playing golf for fun as well. Uh, but we, we he and I play a lot of tennis together. Um, you know, I love being with my family and literally just doing anything. I think my brother is the funniest person in the world. So um, just being with him and getting into anything at all. Um, you know, we have a very close family here. So, um, you know, it, it doesn't take much to have fun. Um, so, yeah, as long as I have family or my boyfriend or friends around, you know, that's, that's good for me. That's awesome. Ted? So, Savannah, let me ask you, um, you know, you mentioned you um, – enjoy golf for fun. So obviously it's a career for you at this point, but you, you recognize mm-hmm. that, you know, you have to have fun doing that. What do you think if, mm-hmm. if golf was not in the picture for you, if let's just say that the cards didn't, didn't uh, come out the right way, what do you think you would be doing instead? What would be your next option if golf was not in the picture as a, as a profession I'm talking about? Got it. I've, I've thought about that before and I have no idea. Um, I'd like to think that I'm a pretty quick learner when it comes to things and I enjoy reading. I enjoy learning. Um, but I, I don't know, you know, sports have always, always been a part of my life. So I'd like to think it might have, I don't know. It might have something to do in the sports arena. I don't know if that would be in media or if I would still be doing something with social media, but um, I'd always thought maybe I would be a dermatologist too. Um, so <laughs> kind of a fun fact, maybe TMI, but I love like popping pimples and like Dr. Pimple Popper, I think it's the funniest show in the world. <laughs> and I really love skincare and like makeup and cosmetic stuff. So I don't know. I'd always thought maybe <laughs> if golf was not around, maybe I would have followed the line of dermatology. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> 
I think this is the first, Cindy. I think this is the first on the show. That we, um, I needed, uh, unfortunately. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> oh, Lord. Uh, mm-hmm. So let me let me ask you um we'll go back we'll go back to golf i've got to i've got to erase that from my mind for a second um <laughs> so let's go let's go, <laughs> let's go i've seen the show so i know exactly what you're talking about yeah you know i don't know if i could do that but um <laughs> but it, it's interesting it's interesting so l- let's talk about golf for a second because there is you know Cindy has asked a lot of our guests and she probably i'm, I'm forgive me Cindy, if i'm going to steal a question that you were going to ask but you know, Cindy has worked with a lot of young girls, particularly young boys too, but young girls who maybe have similar aspirations of, of, you know, maybe first obviously playing some collegiate golf and then hopefully moving on to professional. What advice would you give them being where you are now, not only as a winner, but somebody that has had some ups and downs and struggles through her own career, um, but now sort of realizing what, what can happen if you, you know, if the cards are, are aligned right and also with some hard work, what advice would you give some of the young kids growing up now that have an interest in golf? What would be your advice to, to get them on the right track? Uh, if you're a young kid with an interest in golf and you have aspirations to play, I mean, there's no replacing hard work and getting the right type of, of reps in. So my advice would be get your hard work in, um, really try to, Look at your stats. I didn't start keeping stats until just like a few years ago, and my practice wasn't specific enough, and I wasn't making progress quick enough um, according to the areas in my game that I was struggling. So I would recommend keep your stats, see what comes up, and then target that specifically so you can get better quicker. Um, And then with that, too, you want to maintain the strength. But there's no replacing hard work. And after that, I always say the sooner that you can prove to yourself that you can contend at the next level, the better. So play tournaments, play with people who are better than you, play, go to dinner with players who are better than you, and just see what you can soak in. But uh, the faster you can get into tournaments and show yourself you can contend, the better. So play tough tournaments. And then, um, you know, I'm a huge uh, very, very faith-based, huge believer in God, and it's, it's not without him and then there's a bit of surrendering the result to him so you can't get things to bend in your way um, if it's not supposed to happen so if you put in the hard work I'm such a firm believer that God's going to take over the rest and um, you know if it's your time to shine then he's going to let you have that spotlight and you talked about some some areas that you struggled with um, earlier on, what were some of those, um, you know, areas that you did struggle with and what sort of made the changes when you said that you started keeping stats that obviously helped give you some of the, the areas that, okay, you know, putting was not good or whatever the case was. So once mm-hmm. you realized what you were really struggling with and were able to, to zero it down, what were the next steps that you took? So I, Let's see. In the in the year of 2020, um, I actually connected with the sports psychologist that I work with, uh, Bo Watson and Shannon Chesky, and um, they were incredible. So they gave me a lot of mental tools, um, how to speak to myself. Um, they they can explain it better than I can. Still, the strokes gained uh, kind of statistic, but uh, they helped me. Kind of, it was more just targeting the mindset around shots because skill for skill, I was very competitive. Um, statistically, and then um, especially after getting the new driver, the stats really, really uh, went through the roof. So, um, what they what they showed me was just basically be able to detect when your self talk is getting negative. Because if it gets too negative, you're going to revert to like old stuff in the swing. And my tendency, my shortcoming, is to get stuck under the plane on the way down and then having to flip at the golf ball. If you don't square the face, hello, OB right, or you're going <laughs> to hook it left trying to save it. So, um, Cindy, I'm sure you can speak on that. Um, but, uh, yeah, that was that was my my shortcoming there. So when I got the, the mental and the, you know, the, the self-talk in tech, it actually prevented a lot of bad stuff from happening. Um because I wouldn't revert back to the old person that used to just 
hit these massive misses out to the right. So um, it was a bit of a proactive fix. And then um, what they also helped me do, them and then my physical swing coach, um, was really just practice with a little bit more pressure. So um, making up and down drills a little more, um, not just like scrape and chip, scrape and chip, you know, the giant bucket of balls and there's, there's always a time for that, but um, it was kind of playing an up and down game or wherever I'm, if it's around the green or if it's from a hundred yards, just one ball, one putt, and then you can set a point value um, on what you want to, what you want to do. And um, yeah, I guess it was just, practicing with a little more intention and not just doing this like, okay, I hit hundred balls. I think I'm pretty good now. It's like, no, you need that. And then you need to make sure it holds up under pressure. Well said. Um, I, I couldn't agree more. I think you have to, you know, you have to focus on things and you have to practice with a purpose. We see a lot of amateurs that do, you know, what you were talking about is sort of just that raking and hitting the, the golf ball after golf ball and not really, you know, trying to accomplish anything. And then they get out in the golf course and it all falls apart and they don't understand why because they're not really practicing the things mm-hmm. they need to and they're not doing it with any sort of purpose. Um, so I, I agree 100%. Mm-hmm. Cindy, go ahead. So tell me about what they're saying is your your thoughts, yes? If you get negative, uh-huh. then you're going to tend to start. Tell me again what they said. So the idea, and, it's, and this was over the course of, of months and just this conversation, but what we found is that these negative thoughts that would creep into my head, this negative idea about me, like, hey, I, I made a bogey or I hit a bad swing, therefore I'm a bad golfer. Oh, I'm probably going to do this again. Like, oh, I made my first bogey. Looks like I'm shooting at least 73 today. You know, it was kind of like that language, and it would put me into this mindset of, the golfer that I just was trying to work away from, someone whose swing was very timing reliant, you know, I'd get quick in my transition because I was flustered or frustrated, and then the big misses would happen, and then I would compound errors. So I put a lot of hours in with my swing coach, and then um, my favorite tool right now is, is called the, the uh, Tour Aim, and so it helps me. Oh, how uh, good is that thing? Oh, my gosh, it's amazing. Uh, shout out to Noah. Thank you for helping me get on plane. Uh, but I use that to help me, yeah, to help me get down to the ball a little more efficiently. And so I was putting so many hours into the swing only to sabotage it by, like, the wrong mentality once I got to the golf course. And so when I started thinking that my swing was terrible, then I would start making terrible swings because it's just kind of a manifestation. So it was this kind of vicious cycle. Like the more, like the worse I thought about my game in the wake of a, you know, an errant shot on the course, the worse the swing got because I'm listening to myself, you know? So, um, you know, when, when, uh, how does the phrase go? It's like when aptitude isn't there, attitude is there to take over, you know? So sometimes the, the attitude can account for aptitude and that was kind of the conversation around it. So a self-fulfilling prophecy. Pretty much, yeah, pretty much. You're not letting yourself move over. You're kind of wasting the hours that you've put into the swing. You're like, hey, I know the swing is there, so let's create an environment where it can kind of show through. That's awesome. Awesome. Mm-hmm. So what do you so, love best about what you're doing? What do, okay, the list is is it's getting longer. You know, I absolutely, I love golf for so many reasons, but it has really helped me dive. It, it pointed me towards God more than anything, because when you're out here, it's a grind. You can't do all this on your own. And I'm fortunate to have a wonderful team of people around me. I've got my family, my boyfriend, my nutrition and strength coach. I've got my sports psychologist and my swing coach. So it's, it's kind of, it takes a village, you know, but God above everything um, has helped me. And this journey with golf has really helped me see how present he is in my life. And it has made me so appreciative of this journey even more. So I used to get stuck and sometimes it, it'll creep up still. It's like you get to a new place. It's beautiful. Like I, I played on the European tour for a little bit in 2019 and I would go to these beautiful places, but I wouldn't see anything. I would go golf hotel, golf hotel, 
and um, and I was so nervous about the results, I would not take the time to look around. So my favorite thing is the travel and you know, I, I get to see God in places where I missed before, and um, and I think there's, I don't know, there's golf is a great confidence builder, it's a character builder, and I can feel my appreciation for something like golf just grow. I don't, I don't know, it's it's such a beautiful sport, and it will teach you pretty much everything you need to learn if you if you let it and. I've finally become a better student of the game, and I just I appreciate just golf as a vessel so much more. Awesome, 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 Ted. You know, Savannah, you're you're so right in 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 your analogy. I mean, there are so many you know lessons that golf teaches us, and you know, I, I've always and, and I was Cindy, you know, I've talked about this on the show before. It really mimics life in a lot of ways, and I don't mean just from the basics, you know, hitting the golf ball, but the challenges that you face out in the golf course. There's obstacles, you know, out of bounds, bunkers, you know, water hazards, what have you, and you have to really, to be a good golfer, learn how to navigate some of those challenges, Mm -hmm. and you do the same thing Mm -hmm. in life, and obviously you have a very deep spiritual background as well which is important, Mm -hmm. and that helps get you through some difficult challenges um, emotionally and personally. Um, in addition to, you know, uh, all of the other help that you get through um, your nutritionists and so forth and your swing coaches and things. Um, but it's important to do that. When you find yourself sort of in that pit and it happens to everybody at some point, is mm-hmm. that an area that you rely heavily on is your spiritual side? Absolutely. As golfers, we have to find a way to metabolize our disappointment, our frustration, our anger, and even resentment to golf. Like you, you just have to find a way to metabolize that and use it to your good. Um, if you want to keep playing, if you don't want to keep playing, that's fine. But it's like you said, it's inevitable that you are going to hit a low point, And I think that's necessary. Um, you have to learn how to dig yourself out of, out of a rut. And whether it's in the immediate moment because you've just hit a ball in the water or it's because you've missed a month straight of cuts, you know, and it can be, it can be tough, but yeah, my, my faith has really, really gotten me out of kind of dark places. You know, fortunately I have just an amazing boyfriend and an, an incredible, incredible loving family. Um, so I've, I've not been without resources and, and, and love. So um, I think that's really necessary when you are in those ruts. But, um, you know, in the way that I want to better metabolize, like, the anger and frustration is to go into student mode as soon as you can. Like, you can't think that something is wrong with you. Something is just not right in your game, and you have to diagnose that, whether it's mental or physical, or maybe you just need some time away. But, um, you know, that's that's that can be kind of the toxic thing about golf. You can, you have to act like nothing is wrong so you can figure out what's wrong. And um, I think all golfers can relate, but um, yeah, it's, it's certainly not doable for me without my faith. Well, and it, you know, we, we've talked to a lot of young ladies over the years and, you know, at some point, as you mentioned, everybody hits that low point. And a lot of them really mm-hmm. struggle. We've, we've talked to many, many young ladies coming off the tour who literally were at the brink of giving up and then mm-hmm. ultimately just decided, you know what, for whatever reason, um, you know, they just sort of chucked away, you know, the, the weekly grind and they just said, you know what, we're going to go out and start having fun and enjoying ourselves. And some may have taken the same path as you did and, and you know, relied heavily on their spiritual side to, to help them through it. Maybe others didn't. But ultimately what they did is they, they put aside the grind, if you will, and decided I'm just going to go out here and I'm going to enjoy myself and, and relish the experience and so forth and ultimately ended up going on to win their first event the very next week. And that's no lie. We had, I think, Cindy, I think if I remember correctly, we had five in a row that had that very same thing happen. I mean, what, you know, and I mean, that's incredible that, you know, that says something. Um, and, and I think it's important that, uh, and, and, I, and I applaud you because, let's be honest, as we all know in today's society, um, a lot of particularly young folks like yourself have actually turned away from their spiritual side 
for whatever reason, mm-hmm. uh, and that's an individual mm-hmm. thing. So I applaud that you embrace it, um, and, and kudos to you and obviously your boyfriend as well for being uh, there as, as well in, in his capacity. But um, mm-hmm. I, I applaud you for, for really embracing that because that's something that's really becoming rare and rare in, in our younger generation. So maybe you'll be infectious and, and spread that a little bit um, as you continue on in tour. But Savannah, we gotta, unfortunately, we've got to let you go, and, um, but we appreciate you coming on and sharing a little bit of insight with your win and, and, uh, and other insights as well. And uh, much continued success the rest of the season, and hopefully you'll come back and join us again a little bit later. Sure thing. Thank you so much, Ted and Cindy. I appreciate it. Good luck, honey. Thank you. All right. That was Savannah Vallabi, who uh, won the Copper Rock Championship um, in 2023, actually just a couple of weeks ago, sharing a little bit insight in her win and a little bit insight. Very refreshing and very, um, I guess, down-to-earth young lady. Wouldn't you agree? Yes. Balanced. Balanced. Very All right. good. We're going to, yeah, we're going to take a, a, a quick message and then we're going to be joined by another very special guest. I, I made a, 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 an error in our program note today, so I'm going to apologize personally when we come back, but uh, we'll be right back with our very special guest, uh, Debbie O'Connell. The following ad is sponsored by Golf Tips Magazine. Are you tired of being short off the tee? And what about those three putts? Forget about it. It's time you got serious about your game. Golf Tips, the most in-depth magazine in the industry. For over 30 years, Golf Tips has delivered expert content such as the latest golf instruction from America's top pros, simple to follow practice and game improvement drills, fitness and mental game tips, equipment, training aids, accessory and apparel reviews, golf destinations and travel tips for every budget, and so much more. Don't miss a single issue. Go to golftipsmag.com and subscribe today. All right, welcome back. And as I said, we're going to be joined by uh, another young lady, Debbie O'Connell. She's an LPGA professional, keynote speaker, author, and entrepreneur. And she's a 26-year veteran of the uh, women's uh, professional golf as an LPGA Class A teaching and club professional. Uh, She is dynamic, engaging, entertaining, and a knowledgeable speaker and leadership advocate. And she's been on a number of times and we're excited to have her back. So please welcome, Cindy. Let's welcome our very special guest on the second half of the show, Debbie O'Connell. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you so much, both of you, for having me on. I just I love sharing these, this time with you and hopefully delivering some great messages for your audience to help them inspire them to play even better golf. So thank you for the opportunity. We are so glad you are here. Yes, I am you are, thrilled to are, be here. Well, thank you. And let me say, and, and you, you probably heard me leading into it a little bit, let me apologize. You probably haven't gotten my emails yet or what have you, but I made a mistake when I was putting together the show for this morning, and I missed that you were going to be on the second half. So I actually put something else in place, and I was desperately trying to get a hold of you and say, I made a mistake, and you know, can we move you to another week and whatnot. But I'm glad that it panned out and you're here with to join us because we love having you on the show. You always bring so much energy. So my apologies for the little mistake. Um, and hopefully, um, we'll, uh, we'll have a great time anyways, but, uh, but thank you for joining us, Debbie. I'm sure we will. And all is forgiven. No worries at all. Um, it's just, uh, <laughs> this was perfect in my schedule. So thank you for still having me on. Not a problem. Um, Cindy, I'm going to do something I don't do very often. And that is I'm going to shut up and I'm going to let you go first. Really? <laughs> yeah, go for it. So what's going on, Deb? Give us the update. What have you been doing? Oh, Cindy, I am just uh, continuing to dive deeper and deeper in my education and learning so much more about this, uh, the mindset around golf. I love the mindset of golf, and I have uh, really been looking into flow state golf, which is like being in the zone. And so many of of our golf professionals have experienced it during rounds. And actually, we all have experienced it. You know, every one of your listeners have been in flow state and maybe not on the golf course as much, but I know sometimes I have driven home in my car and everybody imagine this. Have you ever been driving home and you get into your driveway and you pull in and you realize, 
oh my gosh, how did I get here? And you don't remember anything about the drive home at all. That is actually what's called flow state. When your conscious mind is not paying attention at all really to what you're doing and your unconscious mind takes over. So it's being totally just immersed in the moment. You know, Sir Nick Faldo describes his flow state as confident, relaxed, and patient, having perfect rhythm and tempo and timing and being in total harmony with mindset and mechanics. It's absolutely immersed in the moment. And, Cindy, I'm sure you've experienced that in uh, some of your best rounds, best shots that you've, you've hit on the golf course. I think many people have. So it's just been fascinating, and I've been studying on how to help people bring on flow state because we can't just demand it. We can't force it because it's flow. <laughs> we have to flow into it and welcome it. So, uh, so, so it's been really fun to, to really go deep and understand more about our minds. That's awesome. Awesome. So how do people do that? Well, a lot of it has to do with um, re- one is releasing limiting beliefs uh, and and the attachments we have to putting all that pressure on ourselves. Just like Savannah was talking about with, you know, that all that pressure, right, wanting to quit the game. It's a grind. It's too hard. Well, and then all of a sudden you decide to have more fun or or let go, as, as Savannah did, right? She let go, and, um, and her faith carried her through. So, you know, what happens before is, um, and I've talked to many professional golfers who have struggled, and um, one of them even, and Morgan Pressel, and I was telling her more about what I was doing in terms of coaching people, and, you know, especially the childhood prodigies who are really good at you know, sports in general, and specifically golf, where parents focus on, you know, what happened on that shot that you didn't hit well? What went wrong today? You know, they may not understand. Or even in school, you know, kid comes home with straight A's, they have that one B plus, and the parents are like, well, what happened on that B plus? They forget to celebrate the success, and they criticize the failure. So all of a sudden, as a kid, in our imprint years, we develop this belief that I have to be perfect to to be loved or to be admired, to be important enough or valued by my parents. They only, they only praise me or pay attention to me when I do things perfectly. And we bring that belief to the golf course. And now golf's hard enough when we're just playing the game, never mind trying to be perfect, not just to hit great shots, but to feel worthy. And that's, the, that's where I go in terms of my coaching is what's – the golf is the presenting problem. And then I go deeper and find out what's the cause of the anger, the frustration, the feeling like you're grinding all the time or feeling so uh, upset after a bad round rather than looking at it as a learning experience or, you know, an opportunity for growth and learning and getting better. I mean, golf is a journey after all. So I help people want, that's one part of it. Um, Another part is having a clear target, as we talk about all the time with the mental game of golf and preparation, right? A clear, specific target. One of the biggest things is to let go of the outcome of the shot. Mm. And and if people are Mm -hmm. nervous, there's nerves, which can be excitement, and then there's anxiety, which is fear. If you are fearing the outcome of the shot, you're not in the moment. And, And that's where flow state cannot happen, right, when we're fearing the outcome. It's just being, when we're in the absolute present moment, there's no fear of the outcome. There's no regret or sadness or disappointment about the past because you're in the present. And one way to get there is to focus on breath. So literally feeling yourself breathe and going inside yourself and breathing and telling yourself, okay, I'm in, stay in the present. I think, Cindy, it was you who told me to read the book The Present many years ago. Yep. Do you remember? Yeah, it was you. Yeah, and and I went out after reading that book, and I had been working on, you know, um, my mindset with a um, a sports psychologist. Actually, more for bowling. I wanted to bowl a three hundred game, so I started working with her. But also helped my my golf, and I went out and shot my low round ever, and was a low low um, round of the entire tournament, and which I never even had the belief I was that good to compete with with so many great players like Cindy and many others who had a lot more experience than I. So, um, so float, there's, there's lots to it. A guy named 
Mihai Csikszentmihalyi, uh, I think he has every letter in the alphabet in his name, did the research many years ago about flow state in all areas of life. And a couple of the things to get there is definitely that clear picture of what you want, just a clear intention, and then letting go of the outcome. So that's basically pre-shot routine, think box, and then step into the play box and become in the moment. Awesome. Ted? So, Debbie, let me ask you, uh, sort of staying along this, this same theme. So if you're working with a student, let's say you have a student that comes to you, doesn't matter what, what tour or what have you, um, uh, or what level of player, and you know that they've got, you already know that they've got a pretty good solid uh, physical game, but maybe they're lacking in, in confidence um, in their mind and so forth. What's the conversation? How are you going to start the conversation? And what is it that you're looking for um, to sort of unpack, if you will, in helping them to achieve the very best that they can be? What is it you're looking for? And what's that conversation going to sound like? Absolutely. Great question, Ted. So I want to uh, find out what are the, well, one, what they want. Right. We always want to, we start this with a golf lesson. What, if this was the best time we ever spent together, what do you have at the end? So I get what they want. And then I start to ask them what's getting in the way, why, why you don't have that. Um, and then I ask their, their thoughts and emotions and their behaviors. So what are your, what are your thoughts? Um, I'm, I, I'm not sure if I can hit the shot or I feel like I'm, you know, not as good as the other player, or I'm nervous about embarrassing myself, whatever it is. What, 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 else, what are the emotions that are coming up? You know, I, I feel anxious. I feel uh, scared or nervous. Um, you know, I have a lot of students who hold the golf club too tightly, and it's a control thing, and they don't like being out of control. So I discuss that, the thoughts and emotions, if they were out of control. So I get into their thoughts and emotions, and then what's the behavior? What happens as a result? So when you have this thought, you feel this emotion, what happens? And then we go into when was the first time you felt that way? So they go back now in their history, in their life. And there was a time that they had those same thoughts, emotions, and behaviors. And oftentimes it was when they were a kid. Sometimes it's not that far back, but then we go, we go deeper again and we find out what, what was what were the beliefs? So that's what I'm looking for. What, what connections were made neurologically, unconsciously in, the, in their brain, meaning, you know, I have to be perfect or I have to succeed or I have to win to be valued, to feel worthy. Um, is it uh, something like, uh, you know, if I make a mistake, I am in trouble or maybe they feel unsafe for some reason. So, so I go deeper into what's truly going on neurologically, what got connected as a kid because of a certain upbringing and, and who did they need to be? What did they need? Then, then I get to what did you need that you didn't get? I needed more support. I need more understanding. I need more communication. Um, needed, needed more positivity and encouragement rather than just always being put down. You know, some have, um, I was talking to a lady today, she said, I was never good enough. You know, we were talking about our golf game, but it got to, you know, whenever I did something, it was never good enough. And if I was, if I was perfect, I got some attention. So it, it, and it wasn't even a lot, but that was her, that was the way she got attention. You know, Tony Robbins, I, I, I use his technique. I've been certified in his coaching process and he'll ask, you know, who did you need to be? So what was the identity you created that you needed to be to get the, the love from your parents or, or the person that you crave the love the most? Who did you need to be? And oftentimes it's I had to be perfect. I had to be this. I had to be a good kid. I had to be a people pleaser. I saw someone the other day and they're just a people pleaser. You know what happens with a people pleaser on the golf course? If there's people coming behind them, they focus on not holding people up. If um, right. someone in their group is, is playing slowly, they feel like they have to speed up because they don't want to bother that person and tell them to speed up, so they'll just try to speed up. So it throws off their game because they don't want mm -hmm. to upset others. Some people are afraid of conflict. So there's so many things that come out of golf as the presenting problem 
And then I go deep, and then through neurolinguistic programming and timeline therapy, I'm able to release that and literally on the neurological level shift the belief. Yeah, and, and, and you know, listening to you here, you know, there's so many things, so many check marks that you hit that are just spot on. And, and it's interesting because you mentioned about, you know, somebody that's a people pleaser, for instance, um, and obviously you've seen a lot of other personality types as well. But when you're watching players, and, and obviously you've gotten to a point where you've become sort of very fine-tuned in, in what you do, are you able to, and, and again, I know this is, it may not always be 100% because you haven't had a chance maybe to have a conversation with them, but do you generally get a, a, an idea of what's going on when you're watching players whether it's live or even on TV, and you see, it's harder, I'm sure, on TV because you only see snippets, but if you're watching a player, if you're following players, do you get a sense of what's going on with them and how they conduct themselves, whether there's issues that they're dealing with? Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, just uh, take Lexi Thompson last year with the U.S. Open. She started working with a new sports psychologist. She's like, I am in gratitude out here. I'm smiling more. I'm laughing and talking with my caddy. I'm letting go of poor shots quicker and easier than I did in the past. Three and a half rounds, it worked beautifully. She has a five-shot lead with nine holes to play. And then the wheels fell off. She was making bogeys. I think she might have even made a double in there. But she ended up losing. So something, now I, I would love to talk to Lexi because something in her unconscious mind came up. Now, when I kind of, this is just me from the outsider looking in, remember the time that she, um, she, she actually got off social media because mm-hmm. she was getting criticized. You know, there was something that happened. I don't know if she played golf with Donald Trump and everything was so high. Right highly like, right. political and, and people were so crazy emotionally with anything. And then she was just getting beat up. And I think, I think she might've even taken time off. Like it really affected her. So our, yeah. your, our, the job of your unconscious mind is to protect us. A number one, absolutely protect you, protect you. And if it sees if that, if you win, you're in too much of a spotlight and we don't want to go there again because it caused pain, it caused suffering, um, and all this negative things, it's going to say, no, we don't want to win. We don't want to win. So one of the things I do when I'm working with a professional is I, they're going to get a golf breakthrough, so we figure out what's going on unconsciously. And breakthrough is where I go deep and figure it out and then unleash what's happening. And then a money breakthrough. I had one pro come to me and this, and he wanted to be a professional golfer, so I you know, asked him questions. And I said, tell me your beliefs about money. And he said, unconsciously, I'd rather live in a tent and be surrounded by friends and family than live in a mansion and be alone. So his perception of people with money were they were greedy and they were not nice. So I need to change that because here's what would happen. He's about to qualify for the PGA Tour. And suddenly his brain's like, oh, no, we're going to have endorsements. We're going to have money. We're going we're gonna to make too much money. We're going to be alone. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to self-sabotage. We see the self-sabotaging. You know, someone like, um, you know, Jordan Spieth, who, who blew up at the Masters, he really was, right. hasn't been the same since. So there are actually mm-hmm. events, an event that's connected neurologically. So especially the more emotion attached to an event, and that's why your post-shot reaction is so important. If you add too much emotion, and I'm sure Jordan was, what, one, an angry, mad, frustrated, embarrassed at what happened. You know, it, I mean, he had so much negative emotion that he, after that, had a hard time winning because, oh, my yeah. gosh, your brain's like, I don't want to go through those emotions again. So there's so many examples I see when I'm watching and I'm like, oh my gosh, they just need a breakthrough because that's self-sabotaging. You see how it, how it shifts and there's something going on neurologically or that's connected in a deep belief or, or a traumatic experience. And I call it that on the golf course because it is trauma for, for us, right? You know, if we're that embarrassed or we make that big a mistake. Debbie, do you think a lot of players, um, and we'll keep it obviously in the context of golf, but do you think a lot of players typically 
whatever it is. I mean, you could throw a thousand scenarios out there of what they could be going through. Do you think that the, their, their typical reaction, unless they really understand how to work through things, is to sort of put a bubble around that problem, in other words, to compartmentalize it um, in order to avoid it, um, as opposed to finding ways to work through it, get past it, and, and use it as maybe a tool to uh, advance themselves in a positive way? Do you find that that's what a lot of the players do, is they sort of don't deal with it, don't work through it, and just sort of put it in a box or a bubble, whatever you want to call it, and then just think they can move on from there. Is that something that I think, uh, or am I not getting it right? Uh, well, I believe that it's, it's, it's kind of case by case because if they have the knowledge and if they're getting really good mental game mindset coaching, they'll know they need to deal with it in a, in a way where they gain some good positive lessons and they learn from it. And they're able to then, then they can release it. You know, they, they, it's, it's kind of like this, almost like a release process once that happens and getting good coaching around that. You know, there's a gentleman who coached so many professional golfers, Gio Valiante, and he talked mm-hmm. a lot about that, about it, you know, creating this mastery golf mindset of, learning from the experience it's just a journey i'm going to learn and i'm going to grow and hey thanks that that happened because i learned all these great lessons i don't think there's enough people who do it and i think most golfers and probably most people in the world just say well i let that go i don't think about it anymore or well it doesn't really bother me anymore it doesn't come up right but that's consciously that's on the conscious level not on the unconscious level you know, there was a great uh, yeah, example with Lorena Ochoa, Ochoa about she um, she was playing golf in Mexico in her home in her home area her home country and like her home area of Mexico. She has friends and family galore, and she's on the 18th tee, and there's water down the left side, and she's just got to hit a nice shot out to the to the middle of the fairway to the right. And uh, she has driver in her hand, and some, for some reason she drop kicks it and hooks it into the water. She ends up losing mm-hmm. that event. And I read it in Lynn and Pia's book. I don't remember which one. And they said it was like it, someone died. Like her, she was crying. Her family was crying. They're consoling her. It was this total negative experience. And that mm-hmm. gets locked in. That Later yeah. that year, she has a chance to win the U.S. Open. She's on the tee. There's water down the left side. It's so similar. So your brain's like, wait, what does this mean? And it's always looking back to memories because it wants to protect you. And she actually had the feeling, I'm not going to hit driver on this hole. She goes back to her caddy, and her caddy's like, what? You've been striping it all day. Like, I don't understand. And he, he, they talked, and then she ultimately made the decision to hit driver. She drop-kicked it into the water and lost the U.S. Open. So her brain, like she unconsciously, intuitively, and that's what I teach too, had to listen to your intuition. She intuitively knew don't hit the driver. But then after the discussion, consciously, it made sense. She's, she's crushing it all day. And then yeah. she did the same thing as in Mexico and didn't win that event either. Wow, that's amazing. Um, you know, and, and it just goes to show you how powerful um, you know, your mind really is. People don't think, and it can be something very small. I mean, all golfers have hit some bad shots. Lots of golfers have hooked it, sliced it, whatever the case may be. But it's amazing. And, you know, Cindy and I have joked many times on the show, and I've said, you know, in the past, it, it, I equate it to, you know, schlepping baggage in an airport. You know, you bring in all of your, your baggage from the past. And that's what a lot of, especially of our club golfers do, is they're bringing every bad shot they've ever hit to the first tee and setting themselves up for failure instead of setting themselves up for success. And obviously they don't have the same, um, or certainly for the most part, don't have the same ability as obviously many of the pros do and having a, um, you know, a, a, a professional uh, coach at their fingertips to be able to help guide them through that um, as easily as the professionals do. But um, yeah, so there's a lot to, to say about, um, about how the mind affects uh, your play. Cindy, go ahead. So, what would you tell the helicopter parents? <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that. That is a situation that can um, really get in the way. So, I would literally sit and have a conversation and ask them, "What do you want? 
for your your child? What are what are what are your goals? Are they in line with your child's? You know, check in with that, and is that what they want to? And and then find out and say, do you want to know? I, and and questions are the best way I have find. You know, may and, and if you're going to give advice, ask permission to give advice first. So ask, hey, can I may I may I have some time to talk with you and ask you a few questions. Make sure we're all on the same page and we're doing what's absolutely best for your child. And because I care as as their you know golf professional. To and, and then it would be what what are your dreams? What are your goals? And would would you like me to share the best plan for your child? And uh, and just get their permission. So they're going to say, yeah, absolutely. I want to know absolutely the best thing to do. And then you can tell them, you know, how much involvement they are recommended to have. And, and then remind them, so truly, if you want what's best for your child, this is what will work. And what I've seen, if you've, if you've watched, if, my, if I may share some of what I've seen. So you ask them a question again. And they're going, one, they're going to be curious what you want to say. So they're always going to say yes. They've also granted you permission to tell them, right? So now it opens them up that they're going to listen. And, and then the best thing, then say, you know, what I've noticed is when I'm coaching and you're right there and you're interjecting, um, I can sense the emotion. I can see the grip tighten. I can see the, the tension in, in uh, you know, little Johnny's body <laughs> when he's about to hit a shot. And um, I, I actually observe the shift when you're there. So I know you and I are on the same page. We want what's absolutely best for Johnny. And well, this was last night, yeah. and I had little Adam, and Adam is seven. Adam, okay. Mm-hmm. And mom and mom's a teacher, and dad is a really smart scientist. And they hired a caddy who works at the golf course to caddy for him. Um, it's an older retired gentleman that works at the golf course to caddy for him last week and the Under Armour Tour, which we tried to help Adam on the golf course, and Adam shoots 60 for nine holes. And so they said, you know, oh, this was terrible. We shouldn't have done that. He was trying to help him on every shot, and he told him absolutely opposite things that you tell him. And, you know, so they, they hover and and – so after every shot, she's saying, Adam, can you feel that? Why can't you feel that? You have to feel that. And I said, can I just say something? <laughs> you know, was, Shut up! But you can't do that. And so I said, you know, we've got three beautiful children, and only one of them is really good at golf, even though the older one works at the golf channel, right? And so uh-huh. I said, when, when Jamie got to be about 13 or 14, and Alan would say to him, you know, can't you feel what I'm telling you? He looked at Alan and he said, you just need to know I can't feel an effing thing you're telling me. But why don't you show me what you want me to do? And so I said, there you go. Adam may not be able to feel anything, which is why I just asked him to swing out to that shaft that I put in the ground. Didn't help him. And then when I asked him to talk to himself while he was swinging and count one, two, three, four, because he played piano and violin, it helped him swing better. Therefore, I think he's an auditory learner. So I want you to be careful what you say to him. And you need to know that he's only seven. Well, he's not paying attention. I go, he wants to look at the butterflies. You're looking for an outcome and he wants to have fun. So you have to be careful. And, again, you know, I tried to be nice, but, again, I'm the high D, mm-hmm. and I want to slap yes. a boat. So of I course. have to be careful. So they, they yeah, left again, the I was hitting it better, but I, I need to ask permission. That's what I need right, to do. Right, ask permission, and then make sure you have their intention so you can always go back to if you truly want what's best for him and say, give him, you know, Edify yourself again. I've played on tour. I've been through this. I've worked with, you know, professionals. I've seen professionals. I've seen kids quit the game 
because they're not having fun at seven years old. And I've seen the kids who've had fun who excel, and they realize they are not their golf game. The most important thing you can teach Adam is you will love him no matter what he does on the golf course. And, yeah. and your question should never be, how did you hit the ball? How did you – what was your score? It should be, what did you learn today, Adam? It's more important that because this is a journey he's on that he learns, and, 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 and failure is learning. What in your mind is a failure is a great learning experience for Adam. That's how he's going to get better. So you want to ask him, what did you learn, Adam, and get excited about it. And if, if you keep going on down the road you're going down, he will quit the game. And if that's not in your plans and what you'd want for him, then I highly recommend you think through your process and value him as the amazing little boy he is and have golf be a bonus that he plays and an opportunity for personal growth and to be a golf journey where he continues to improve. And, and I would, but make sure you know their outcomes because you've got to have leverage on them with their outcome. So if you okay. truly want blank for Adam then this is what will work. Got it. And really, really important. And maybe recommend the book. I think, I don't know, P.M. Lynn, I, I, I don't remember which book was which, but I think in there they do talk about, you know, um, it's the, the person, right, value the person. It's not about what you shoot yeah. at, at all. Um, yeah. it's, it's valuing them for who they are as people. Well, and that he tried. Did, did, did you do your best? <laughs> yeah, they even came up with a secret word because the father is Arabic, and they came up with the, the Arabic word for shut up. So the little boy can <laughs> say the Arabic word to the father and shut up. I'm like, this is not good. Anyway, yeah. thank you. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. I hope that yes. helps uh, for Adam, <laughs> for, for sure. Yeah, you may, have, you may have to fit him up with some earbuds or something so he can't hear the uh, – uh, the parents on the sidelines, you know, it, it raises a really valid question. Unfortunately, we're out of time, but, um, but what a great conversation. Debbie, we want to have you come back on again and we'll get you the, if you don't still have it, we'll get you the link and, and, and uh, book again to uh, on a future date. And we'll get into a, a little bit more lengthy discussion, maybe have you on for the whole hour and, um, and get you yeah, to talk about awesome. uh, things. I think that would be fun. Um, Cause there's so many things you bring so much positive energy as I said at the show, we love having you on. And, um, you know, you wrote a great book, uh, Golf Positive, Live Positive. And um, uh, I know it's uh, still available if you want to let the folks know how they can uh, get their hot little hands on a copy and then also the best way that they can reach out to you if they want to work with you or, or uh, just absorb some of that positive energy. Go ahead and let the folks know. Absolutely. You know what? If I can just give them this number, I wrote another book about uh, flow golf. So it's an it's an ebook that they can I'd love to give it to them for free. Mm-hmm. The uh, text number is uh, 727-339-0106. So it's 727-339-0106. If you text the word flow F-L-O-W, to that phone number, you'll get a link to download the book for free. Oh, wow. And truly, Flow State is the fastest, easiest way to play your best golf. And everybody wants to be more consistent, of course, with the best shot they've ever hit. <laughs> so people are like, I want to be more consistent. I'm like, well, you're looking consistent. But no, look how bad that shot was. Oh, no. You, oh, you mean consistent with your best swing. Okay. <laughs> So if people want to do that more often and figure out ways to get into flow a little bit easier, welcome it to come and kind of fall into that focus. And there's different levels of it, which is cool. There's micro flow and macro flow. So there's parts of it you could get into. So just text flow to that phone number, and uh, and that's your gift, a gift for me. And my website is debbie-oconnell.com. Thank you. Well, Debbie, thank you as always for joining joining us. You have a great day, and we look forward to you joining us again on a future show here on the Women of Golf. Thanks, Debbie. Perfect. Thanks, Ted. Thanks, Cindy. Bye-bye. Thanks. Bye-bye. Thanks again very quickly to our special guests, Savannah Vallabi and Debbie O'Connell, for joining us this morning on the Women of Golf. We've run a couple of minutes past, so on that note, thank you, everybody. God bless, Cindy, and we will see you next week here on the Women of Golf Show.
Have a great week. Thanks. Thanks, Cindy. Thank you for joining us. We hope you enjoyed listening to this week's Women of Golf show. Ted and Cindy wish to thank this week's special guests. Remember to join them every Tuesday from 9 to 10 a.m. Eastern here on the iGolf Sports Network or on any of these social media platforms, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, CastBox, TalkStream Live, and of course Spotify. To get updates on the show, you can follow the Women of Golf Facebook page at www.facebook.com forward slash women of golf. This has been a production of the iGolf Sports Network.